My dear Miss Temptation, seeing you walk out of that lake in such a manner is a shock indeed. Control yourself, Mr. Darling, and would you please kindly tell me why you are spying on an unaccompanied lady? My apologies, Miss Temptation. I couldn't resist coming to find you in person. I have a very special request before this evening's ball, and, having spoken to your father, he has given me permission to ask you. Oh, my dear Mr. Darling, please go on and ask me what you will. My dear Miss Temptation, I would consider it the greatest of honours if you would play the Regency setting for Chaosium 7th edition of Call of Cthulhu with me. Oh, I thought you'd never ask. Yes, of course, yes, a thousand times. And we can have our fun with 10% off at the Chaosium store using the code PLAYHOUSE10. You really will be the ideal husband. Playhouse 10, you say? Indeed. And with the 10% off code Playhouse 10 from the Miskatonic Playhouse, I feel like quite the catch. Then let's get our copy of the Regency setting and stir up a scandal even the Prince Regent would sneer at. Oh, you are a temptress. Come, my intended. Our dice await. Welcome to the Miskatonic Playhouse. I'm T.A. Newman, your host and keeper. Tonight, we welcome you to Act 4 of Cult and Culpability, a matinee performance in celebration of Regency Cthulhu, Chaosium's new historical setting for 7th edition Call of Cthulhu. In a moment, we'll rejoin the Prido family en route to Kingscombe. But first, a reminder that Chaosium's tabletop role-playing game, Call of Cthulhu, contains mature themes, including cosmic horror, character death, and loss of sanity. And now it's time to pull back the curtain and roll the dice. At the dinner table, with the letter from Mr. Oldworth Esquire inviting you to Kingscombe in three days' time to attend the funeral of Lord Matthew Prido. I assume there's questions. I assume there's thoughts. A few letters from Mr. Jenkins has also put our wonderful Anastasia in a rather interesting position, and Charlotte potentially in a protected position. And Mr. Burroughs stranger sitting at the table delivering this summons from Mr. Oldworth Esquire. You have the night and the morning. Before Mr. Burroughs has informed you, you must leave on the carriage to make this funeral, this reading of the will, in three days' time. I'm going to ask each of you something you can do together, something you can do independently. You have an evening, you have a guest, and you have a morning before you leave. What would you like to do? Would anybody like to go first? Would anybody like to share with us? Let's hear from the heir apparent himself, Thomas Prudhoe. In our new guest, this new gentleman, I see somebody who will have a lot of time on their hands. There probably won't be much that they need to do over the next couple of days. And I think very friendly. I will uh, 
ask the gentleman in question whether he would care to sit down for a, a shorthand of cards or two. <laughs> I'd, I'd be delighted. Excellent. Playing for stakes, of course, not uh, not anything light-hearted here. Oh, <laughs> um, <laughs> surely you jest, sir. <laughs> I, I have only an apprentice's salary. I, I am here on business. I'm sure I can give you the chance to win the money off me. I, I, I will take an IOU at this point, but <laughs> we're, we're both gentlemen here, sir. I'm sure there's, there's nothing to fear. A friendly game, a friendly game, nothing more, nothing more. Of course, a, a friendly game, yes. I, I don't see that Mr. Oldworth can object to a, a friendly game um, with, with such an illustrious client. The Reverend will uh, finish reading the letter from the... I was going to say accountant. We'll finish reading the letter from the lawyer and notice what is going on and immediately stand and say, uh, uh, Master Thomas, you know there will be no gambling under this house whilst I am here. Uh, you will uh, remove yourself from your father's chair and uh, if you'll accompany me to the study, we need to check some details. Uh, Charlotte, would you be so good as to... Uh, Keep an eye on this young gentleman around uh, lovely Anastasia this evening. Perhaps perhaps you two could uh, get to know each other a little better. It is a long drive down to uh, South Devon, and I believe we will be travelling through some very lovely countryside. Uh, Master Apprentice, perhaps you could describe uh, to this to these lovely ladies quite what we will be seeing. Master Thomas, if you will. And we'll excuse ourselves and go into the study. And we will follow you for a moment to follow this train of thoughts. You uh, disappear into uh, Lord Adam Prideaux's study that you've both been using over this time, as you discuss. So the Reverend actually closes the door and stands there with his back against it, looking at Master Thomas. And he'll say, Master Thomas, how, how strong was that wine you have been serving us tonight? I mean... I've come in here to check. Where's that book you always uh, were showing Adam about uh, the family tree and everything? We we need to check something out. I didn't want to say anything in front of the guests, but but isn't he dead already? I mean, I know it can take some time to to finalize a will and testament, but goodness me, the chap died. Seventeen hundred turn of the eighteenth century, wasn't it, boy? Oh, thank heavens, I thought I was the only one that was thinking that was odd. Yes, I'm certain that, that, that Lord Matthew was was predeceased all of us. I mean, surely, in order for my father to have inherited the title, the first Lord must have died. Uh, look, the, uh, the, the lineage, it's, it's written in the family Bible. Um, you see the... No, no, not the Bible you usually use here. The original family Bible which is kept on the top shelf, and Thomas points up to the top shelf. It's is the there. big family Bible there. It is. It's okay. There. No library skill needed for this. It's it's there. You know where to find it. You can have a look. Thomas retrieves this large leather-bound book. If it's a family Bible of the, of, the, of the right era, it's likely to have metal clasps holding it in. Beautifully filigreed cover. Thick gilt pages as well and as he creeps open you get the smell of musty leather and old paper that just wafts across the the room i think thomas at this smell will be reminded of all of those discussions that he's had with his father in this room in the past and it will almost bring a pang of guilt 
Adam's disappearance hasn't had too much of an impact, but suddenly the sudden reminder, it, it's having an, it, it's having a, and suddenly the sudden reminder is bringing back memories he thought he'd buried in. And he looks at George as the book opens up, and there on the frontispiece are written the names, dates of death, dates of birth, dates of christenings of the Prudhoe family and lineage, and dates of marriage. You open the book to these list of dates, and Reverend, may I ask, are you looking over Thomas's shoulder? Are you looking at the same page at the same time? He certainly is. He's watching Thomas opening the book, and he remembers many of these pages, and uh, he is reassured that uh, the bookmark that was given to him by the Archbishop of Canterbury is still there. Uh, the day of his confirmation into the Church of England. And he is very delighted to see that it's still part of the family history. But yes, he is trying to understand this as much as he can, knowing that Thomas does actually pay a bit more of attention to the family lineage because there's money in it. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. Then there is a confusion. When you historically look at, and reverend in terms of your library use and uh, you know, with, with, the, with the church, many of the family lineages you've looked at, not that you've ever really bothered to do too much into detail of your own here, Thomas as well, you've looked at this before, but looking at it now, you recognise that this isn't the normal system of how a family lineage is recorded. There are dates, but some of them are smudged, some of them are written so badly it's hard to see. This is how you see the book. Lord Matthew Priddo, born 1652, died 1709. Jonah Matthew Priddo, born 1683, died 1739. Oliver Matthew Priddo, born 1742, died 1775. Richard Matthew Priddo, Reverend, this is your father. Mm. The birthday is smudged. The death is written in. It's 1812. This year. What's even more unusual is beneath that is the name Adam Matthew Priddo. And the birth date is smudged. But there's another date written. The first of the first, 1811. And that's written in the date of death. And it's written in an unusually dark red ink that does not sit with the rest of the black ink on the page. The Reverend immediately slams the book shut, hoping that Thomas hasn't seen that. Say, so, well, 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 obviously there's some damp or something that's got, gotten into this. We'll have to uh, go down to the uh, 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 library records. Yes, yes, records office in the morning. So, uh, and he's going to scoop the book up, tuck it under his, under his arms and um, say, hmm, yes, 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 yes. He's going to pause there for a moment. He kind of doesn't want Thomas to think anything of it, but knows it's probably best if he has any questions that... And they're going to be asked in the study rather than out where the, the uh, lovely uh, groom to be, I mean the apprentice to be, I mean the, the apprentice is uh, sitting entertaining the ladies. 
Thomas, can I ask either for a luck roll or a spot hidden roll in terms of whether you were able to see the information on the page before the good reverend snapped it away from you? I'm sure he was turning the pages, so do you want to have a bonus die on that? Oh, well, thank you very much. A bonus die as well, Thomas. Very <laughs> yeah. honest of you, reverend. Very honest. I would indeed take a bonus die. Uh, so I believe my spot hidden is 50. My luck is 40. So I will roll a spot hidden. And that is a... 14 with the bonus die uh, which not is not only do you see the figures not only do you see the figures you don't just glance at them you probably read them two or three times going that can't be right no that can't be right so you actually have a moment to process it as well before it's snapped away from you uncle what does this mean what sort of foul trickery is this that is perverting the family bible with these false representations of our father's my father's death my father's not dead he's disappeared true but this is this is a a, a joke a, a sick joke played by uh, chambers i wouldn't be surprised goodness no 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 uh, I, i'm very glad you you see that this is a, a complete falsehood of course uh, there must be something affecting the bible some fungus or something that has that has uh, eaten the pages and d destroyed the ink but uh, no certainly uh, I, I don't know why you have such a problem with chambers he was a, he's a very good dutiful uh, man and certainly he wouldn't do anything of, of the sort i mean if we have had uh, visitors in in here it could have been any one of them but no as, as i say i would suggest we keep this between ourselves master thomas as your sister might be a little bit more upset if it is written down that indeed your father might have died which which of course we know is entirely false we shall have to uh, perhaps you'll be good enough to go to the uh, official records office in the morning to uh, ascertain the birth and death certificates, uh, you know, just to make sure, uh, if if you wouldn't mind. I think, Uncle, this is one of the first things we've agreed upon in quite a while. Indeed, I, indeed. I will, of course, make a, a foray into the records office tomorrow. Uh, but for now, may I suggest a, a brandy to steady our nerves? I know Father keeps a particularly good vintage in this room and Thomas walks directly to a small cabinet where there is now a mostly empty brandy bottle <laughs> which has possibly been dipped into a few too many times over the past 15 months and, and pours two good measures one for the good reverend and one for himself the reverend uh, swills the uh, glass round takes a good good sniff and says uh, a good idea master Thomas perhaps uh, we can toast to a truce. Let us get this a little part of our life out of the way before we figure out the destiny of our families uh, for each other. And uh, he uh, chinks the glass and has uh, the brandy with Master Thomas. And over to the other room where we have Anastasia, Charlotte and Mr. Christopher Burrows. You're sitting there. This is your evening before we decide what you're going to do with your morning. Uh, this evening, is there anything you would like to do, converse, attempt with your evenings for the three of you? Anastasia will at some point try to excuse herself uh, because she has something she'd like to do in private. Then we'll come to you in a second. Charlotte, you're left alone with Mr. Christopher Burrows. What is it that you do? Or, or Mr. Christopher Burroughs, likewise, what is it that you do? Um, I think at least to begin with, he just sort of sits there, um, upright, faint smile, eyes wide, eyebrows slightly raised, just holding his uh, folio of papers on his lap, prim and proper, 
and just sits there wherever he's been asked to sit. Bless him. <laughs> he's so lovely. So, Mr. Burroughs, Kingscombe. What's mm. Kingscombe like? A place on the on the coast, I believe. Yes, quite. Uh, well, uh, you shall you shall see. Quite quite scenic, I should say. Hmm. Is it a a busy place or more sort of rural and and pastoral? I confess I've not been there long. Uh, Mr. Aldworth and myself are uh, based in Plymouth. Um, we uh, we merely visited um, the Prado Manor, discovered that there was no um, no heir currently in residence, uh, and I was sent here to uh, to fetch the the inheritors. Um, from what I saw, it was no, perfectly agreeable, perfectly agreeable. Well, it it seems that you're a credit to your employer and that you're uh, carrying out your duties without fault. He beams. Have you uh, worked for Mr. Oldworth long? Oh, that's a good question. That's make up a little bit of backstory unless you've got a specific answer keeper apprentice not long you have yeah you've not been with 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 mr oldworth long but the, it's the it's the fact that you've been accepted by him that has is given you a sense of purpose it's given you this drive so even though you've been with him a short time you're very loyal to him because he's treating you very well mm-hmm. um only a short while miss but i've learned so very much these past few months and i I have to say, I very much look for. Well, of course, I, I am enjoying my time as an apprentice tremendously. Mr. Aldworth, a, a great man, truly a great man. Um, he, I, he's already taught me so much, and, and I, I hope one day um, to prove worthy um, as, as, as his colleague. I look forward to starting my own practice. Ah, a man of ambition. Well, I do hope so, Miss. I have no doubt that you will make every success, sir. Would you uh, like to accompany me to the drawing room? Uh, perhaps I shall play a little piano for you. Oh, yes. I should like to hear that very much. Delightful invitation where Charlotte is going to play the piano for our visitor, Mr. Christopher Burroughs. Anastasia, you left the room um, for your own needs. Do tell. Anastasia has taken the letters and realizing that this this situation with Mr. Jenkins could create lots of problems, but it could potentially instead create solutions for her in a two birds, one stone situation. She has decided to attempt a different tactic. Um, so she does write a letter back to Mr. Jenkins. And may I ask, what does the letter say? Would you like me to, to read it or paraphrase? I would like you to read it, please. <laughs> uh, to dear Mr. Jenkins, uh, I would firstly like to thank you for your letters. I am afraid my family have kept them from me up to this point, and I could not have answered you previously. I would like to thank you for your attention and your willingness to help. I find myself grieving and with my protective family all around me, I could not possibly see a suitor without significant risk. Please, do help me find my father. My family will come, and I'll finally be able to meet you as my heart truly desires. Uh, but only and only if you find my father. Yours, Anastasia. Okay. And when you've written this letter, no doubt you fold it into the appropriate quarters, you know, creating the, the singular piece of paper into a folded uh, envelope in itself. Um, you, uh, I have no doubt, 
stamp the letter with the family crest using a wax seal to keep it secure and private. What with the contents of said letter uh, <laughs> being rather uh, dangerous, shall we say, uh, or tempting. And um, what is it you do? You're sitting there. I'm assuming you've gone up to your room to do this? Uh, yes, or if there's any other private enough room in there's, the house, potentially. Absolutely. There's probably a number of little rooms that you could have gone into. Little, you know, there's there's the your father's main study, but there's other rooms. There's lounges. There's things. You know, dining room. Other rooms uh, that you could have gone into to to have done this. Um, the letter's done. I'll give it to the young servant from before and ask the, ask them to keep it amongst ourselves. Give him another sweetie. Oh, thank you, Mum. Yeah, no, of course, of course. Thank you, Mum. It, it, it's very, very good of you. Thank you so much. I'll make sure this very goes important. off. Very important. Very important, Mum. Very important. And he kind of, you know, almost kind of salutes uh, in this weird <laughs> desire to try and demonstrate some adulthood uh, and then runs off very quickly, realising, you know, this is you, the lady of the house, giving him a letter to make sure it kind of goes off. Um, and it does. And then she will rejoin Charlotte downstairs and the strange bird man also. So may I ask? He has a name. Charlotte Christopher Birdman Burroughs and <laughs> Thomas and George, Reverend George. Any last things this evening that you do before we find ourselves upon the morning where I'm going to ask you for only one thing each? I did say that you had time in the morning to do something and we're going to have that time, but one thing each. I think Thomas will... In order to keep up appearances of normality, we'll still proffer a game of cards to Mr. Burroughs. He will acquiesce that Mr. Burroughs probably is not in a situation to wager money, but Thomas is just in the mood for a little bit of gaiety and uh, fun, so would like to sit down at the card table with uh, Mr. Burroughs if he would be willing to accept. He's visibly relieved at the realisation that he doesn't have to uh, put actual coin on the table <laughs> and will gladly accept. Okay, uh, if you could both give me a gambling roll, please, or a gaming roll. I think it's gambling, isn't it? No, gaming. Gaming, gaming. is the roll. So that is a 17 under 66. Oh, Thomas, you've got a problem. <laughs> <laughs> and, shark, um, isn't he? Mr. Burroughs. That's uh, intimidating. Mr. Burroughs got a 32 under 40. <clears throat> so over a few hands of cards here, there's... there's uh, Thomas, you're surprised to see in this gentleman... Well, he's no pushover. He's not just giving you over the, the I, say, I suppose, the presumed matchsticks you're playing for rather than money. There's, he is not a... Well, he is not your usual prey. He's got a keen eye. You can see he's watching the game. Not only is he watching the game, he's learning more about the game by watching you play. And with each hand, he is getting closer to actually claiming some matchsticks back off you. But, Thomas, you do still take the matchsticks in a sweep at the end, uh, a big all-in, and you're able to, to take everything that you want. But, Thomas, I'm going to ask you for a very quick psychology roll, please. That is a 64 over 10. You have no idea what's going on inside Mr. Burroughs's mind. But he seems like a lovely chap and a worthy opponent, which is quite a nice thing to have. I think I have a grudging respect for him, as he is obviously of a, a lower class than a gentleman. As, as an apprentice, he's obviously in trade, mm. uh, or at least uh, 
he's not of uh, the gentry. No. But uh, absolutely, I, I feel that uh, we could become firm friends if society allowed it. Well, we'll have if to only. see what society dictates, shall we? Forbidden uh, friendship. Forbidden <laughs> friendship. <laughs> Scandal. Everybody roll reputation. So, George, Anastasia, Charlotte, any last things this evening? Because I need to. We need to quickly move to the morning and find out what your morning activities are. As no doubt, the staff are packing your bags. George is going to get an early night as he has an early start in the morning. And Anastasia. Um, I don't think there's anything else for Anastasia to do this evening. So I think she might try and make inquiries again about the mysterious book they've been talking about, but not telling her anything about, even though she's clearly very interested in finding out what happened to her father, but she knows nothing about this this weird thing that uh, her uncle and her brother are hiding and talking to each other about. So she might. Is that an inquiry you make this evening, or is that an inquiry that you make in the morning, or is it an inquiry you make this evening and expecting an answer in the morning? Um, yeah, I think it's kind of like an intensifying inquiry. First, it's a hint, then it's more intense, more intense, and we might culminate into an answer in the morning if that's best yeah, for you. Okay, interesting. Okay, Charlotte. Charlotte is going to open up some of the trunks which are underneath her bed where she keeps her old mourning dresses. Uh, she's come out of mourning now, given that her widowhood period is over. And uh, she's going to try and refresh something, maybe put an extra ruffle on a, a black bonnet or something like that. If uh, somebody has died, she wants to look her best. And Mr Burrows? You have the evening to yourself. Is there anything you'd like to do while you spend the night in Shepford Manor? Um, I think after the card game um, and a convivial handshake, he probably retires to whatever room he's been allowed. Perhaps he asks if he might stroll briefly. Uh, well, I suppose it's rather dark, actually. So he probably doesn't stroll on the grounds. So he's just going to retire to his room and do some reading before bed like a good boy. You all spend a rather restful night, even though you will be thinking, no doubt, on the unusual summons from uh, Mr. D. Aldworth Esquire to the town of Kingscombe in South Devon on the coast. There is some familial history here, but the nature of which is uncertain. Can I ask Anastasia for a power roll, please? Dream time. More dreams. Power. That is a success. Oh, can I ask you what you rolled over your 56 time? over 65. So we got a little uh, okay. switch. As you're trying to inquire about this book, your brother and your uncle are so insistent on, it's one of the last thoughts you have as you begin to drop off. But when you drop off, it's almost a moment where you feel that you've kind of fallen. There's a jolt, perhaps with your physical body, but in your dream, you kind of come to and you're standing on the same beach as before. Feet in the sand, water slowly washing up to your ankles. And you look out across the ocean that looks calm before you. You see the sun dappling across the ocean. It's quite beautiful. Is this a dream or is this a memory? You remember this. 
you realise you're holding someone's hand. And you look to your left and you see your brother, a six, seven, maybe eight-year-old version of Thomas. But he's standing next to you and he's holding your hand and he is looking out at the ocean. He looks to you, smiles, and then looks back out at the ocean. He says, come on, let's go. He's holding your hand and he pulls you out as if to run out in towards the ocean, run a bit further out. What do you do, Anastasia? This feels benign enough for now, so she will follow. Okay. Yeah, and he's got uh, a big smile on his face. And he's pulling you and he's kind of running in front of you. And his other hand comes to and he grabs your hand and he's going, come on, come on. And he's running further out into the ocean. And, you know, the water's splashing up to kind of his knees now. His trousers are beginning to get wet. And he just keeps going, come on, let's go. Anastasia, come on. What do you do? Brother, we're going to get wet. Stop. Let's go back. His eyes are wider. His smile stretched across his face. This isn't how your brother smiles. This seems extreme. This seems intentional. This seems overbearing. He pulls your arm now, one hand on your hand, the other on your forearm, pulling you out further into the ocean, going, come on, come on, let's go, come on, let's go. He's now halfway up to his thigh being in water. You are up to your waist. I said no, and then I pull away from him. Can you and Thomas both give me a strength roll, please? Ah, uh, great. I'm getting drowned tonight. <laughs> Not necessarily. <laughs> oh. I got a 22 over 45, which is a hard success. Excellent. Thomas? And I got a 53 over 50. Okay, Anastasia, you in this moment, as Thomas is pulling you, going, come on, we've got to go, come out further. You, you, you pull your arm free of him. Do you say anything? Do you do anything? Come back. What are you doing? I'm leaving. Thomas looks out far into the ocean and then looks back to you. His smile is gone. He's crying. And he says, we're going to miss it. We're going to miss everything. Everything that this family is supposed to be. We're going to miss it. And it's your fault. At that moment, you snap awake. I'm getting goosebumps. This is intense stuff. <laughs> it's your brother. You, you snap awake. It's the middle of the night. Everybody else in the house is asleep. You find yourself comforted that you are in your room. This is your room. Thomas isn't there, even though you know that really wasn't Thomas. It was a dream. Of course it was a dream. Or was it? Because you have a memory of being at that beach. You now know. You have a memory of being at that beach as a child. I... I think Anastasia would go and wake her brother up to ask about it. 
Okay. <laughs> Knock at the door. Your sister comes in. Anastasia, is everything okay? Brother, have we been to the beach? What, what, what recently? No, before, when we were young. I, I had this dream and it felt a lot like a memory. And have, have we been to the beach? I, I'm so confused. Wake up. We... Thomas, give me a constitution roll. You've had a few <laughs> drinks. So I'm not convinced you might be able to wake up and have a conversation. That is a 36 under 50. Okay, yeah. If you want to, you're very welcome to, to, to yeah, you put yourself together. You're a bit um, um, stubby-minded, but you're able to put yourself together and hold a conversation. Oh, yes, um, Beach. Uh, it's odd, odd that he said that. When that letter came from Burroughs with um, mention of Lord Matthew Prideau, I remember... I remember we have visited... The West Country before. I'm sure we've. I think we've been to Kingscombe. That's by the sea, isn't it? Did did something happen? Did 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 we go in the sea? I I had this such a strange dream, and Anastasia's pacing up and down the room this whole time. I think we. I remember we paddled. Nothing paddled. paddled nothing particularly insidious about it. Um. Keeper, do I remember more? Hmm, give me a history roll. Oh, well, I'm not good at history. History. Uh, that is a 55 over 18. That's not good. You remember having a candied apple. I remember having a, a candied apple. Who cares? Well, I do. It was rather a nice candied apple. Brother, you... this feels important. Stop, stop it. No one cares about your apple. Well, well to be fair, sister, uh, dear sister, your dreams. Yeah. Surely this is Charlotte's remit. She's the, the one that looks after you. I'm... You weren't there. Well, I was there in your dream. And you were very scary. And oh. I'm angry with you. How could you? I, I apologize that I was scary in your dream. Now I say that out loud, this is most <laughs> far-fetched. Brother, you should stop drinking. Well, maybe in the morning. He turns over and finishes the <laughs> glass of brandy that's sitting by the side of the bed. <laughs> she's going to pull it away. She's very angry now. She's gotten herself worked up. What well, <laughs> could do that for? Oh, look. Look, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> what was it about the dream that scared you? Have a sit. And he pats on the... <laughs> bed next to him. Sit down at the end of the bed. We'll okay, but I'm, I'm putting through. this away. Okay. It's okay, it's okay. It's fine. And he opens a hip flask that's hidden in his pyjamas. Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. We're at the beach and for some reason we're walking in the sea and you're pulling me further and further in and uh, it, it feels like we're, we're going too far in and, and then the, there wasn't the shining bright light at the end like it was last time, but there was something strange about about it. I can't quite put my finger on it, but you said that something about our family and that, oh, I wish I could remember, that I'm ruining it, that it's my fault that our family isn't going to be there. We're going to miss it. And... 
it just you know, was so scary and doing yourself and your face was all wrong and it's always that beach it's in my dreams it's always that beach and is is that where we're going is that what you're trying to say i think thomas is a bit perturbed by this description and would like to try and reassure anastasia if you may please do that's a new regency skill and let's see how well we can reassure Anastasia of her. Well, that is a 96 over 20. So. <laughs> okay. Um, you say something probably incredibly inappropriate in terms of, for God's sake, woman, just go back to bed, control yourself. Um, but I'll allow you to have that conversation as we move very quickly to the morning. Yeah. So, look, Anastasia, this is, it's a perfectly normal seaside town there's absolutely nothing could be going on there there's some some service church service we need to go to i can't listen to this i'm going you you clearly you clearly are not listening so uh, and i see that alcohol give it to me she takes it before she leaves thomas rolls over (laughs) flops back down onto the pillow and says oh well (laughs) see in the morning sweet dreams and starts snoring again how dare you (laughs) So everybody in the house goes back to sleep. Anastasia, you probably find uh, sleep uh, fleeting and you don't have the best night's sleep because you are preoccupied with not only the conversations, still your father missing, but these this, these weird dreams have returned after some level of absence. And as you awake in the morning, um, you come down the stairs, Anastasia, and you find that uh, actually um, Mr. Burroughs, is talking to the good reverend and Thomas and Charlotte, but there's also one of the staff there, and the staff is saying, um, is, is essentially talking to them, just saying, um, I've spoken to the driver, and uh, it, he's said that, um, that you wanted to make a stop, uh, reverend, at a at, 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 at Luscombe Street, and um, Mr... Prudhoe, you um, you wanted to stop at the the, the records office. He, he said that he can make those stops on the way. So I've packed all of your bags in the carriage, um, so that you can make good time. I, I was told to make sure that you could make good time. Uh, Mr. Burroughs, is that is that okay? Yes, indeed. Uh, we mustn't be late. Um, the driver, he um, he he's waiting for you. Well, let's not keep him hanging around, shall we? Uh, If we are going to make a couple of stops, then we'd best get on the road. Uh, Children, are you ready? Mm. No. Whatever's the matter, Anastasia? Uncle, I refuse to set foot in that carriage uh, if I am to remain uninformed about affairs regarding my father. I have pretended that you haven't been speaking about important matters behind my back, but I, I will have no more of it. You must tell me everything, or I am not setting foot in that carriage. Uh, I'm sure nobody wanted to worry you, Anastasia. Charlotte? Not right now. <laughs> uh, re- <laughs> uh, the, the Reverend George uh, goes to uh, bend down to one knee and, and realises that Anastasia is no longer eight. And uh, <laughs> I'm going to for a moment. <laughs> yeah, a lollipop <laughs> and pats her on the head. Catches <laughs> him and goes, ah, well, oh dear, oh dear, uh, Miss Anastasia, uh, I fear uh, the King Bear won't even uh, rectify this situation now, will it? Um, 
You are quite right, and uh, as uh, Adam's daughter, we must be uh, straight with you. Um, we need to go to the records office to uh, just check a few details about the will. It's going to be very interesting to uh, see quite what the will has in store, and the Master Apprentice here will no doubt in, in, in inform us of these things, and of course, well, 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 yes, the matter of, well, a book, you see. Master Thomas, can you can you describe the book we, we saw on New Year's Eve before it went missing? Book? On New Year's Eve? I'm afraid I, I can't remember anything about it. Oh dear, oh dear. Uh, well, well, well uh, Miss Anastasia, as I have been in your father's study and making sure that his inventory was quite correct, I noticed one book was missing. And so that is why you have not seen Mr Chambers in quite a while. He has been desperately searching for his book collection to be completed by one tome that we believe we have discovered, so we have to make a, a quick stop along the way to make sure that, of course, when your father comes home, he has a complete collection. I hope you won't mind, and uh, as I say, when we discover what book it is, well, we shall discover it together. Uh, do I believe this? <laughs> do I believe that he's so. <laughs> not hiding anything? Reverend, could you give us a reassurance with a bonus die because you're telling the truth? Anastasia, could you give us an intelligence roll, please? I really appreciate that. I thought you were going to ask for psychology. Uh, for Yeah, for psychology. I, th I, think it's, I don't think it is about reading him. I think it's about you. It's, it's more about you rather than you reading somebody else. You're being told this information and uh, it's, it's a question as to whether it's true. Anastasia is very smart. So. What's the base reassurance? Uh, that's a good question. Reassurance is one fifth of your appearance. Base is one, one fifth seventh. Of your one seventh of your appearance. One seventh. Of oh, your sorry. Apologies. Yeah. So <laughs> you gotta be pretty to reassure people. Absolutely. <laughs> that's why priests do that so well. They're all super attractive. <laughs> why I'm so excited. <laughs> Not this one. <laughs> okay. So, so that is a, a twenty-four over something like seven something. So that is a fail on the old reassure. But I succeeded my intelligence roll, 66 over 80. So you can see from this conversation that the Reverend is giving some quite flowery language around this reasoning and he mentions the teddy bear and he tries to kneel down. You know he's talking to you as if you're a child and that slightly puts you, you know, in, on the back foot a little bit. But then, actually, you're an intelligent young lady and the when you're able to take the the actual narrative of what he's saying when you're able to actually take the through line of what he's saying you can see that he is telling the truth and you believe him okay. you are intelligent enough to recognize that he is not hiding secrets he is not giving you a softened version he is just telling you in his way the truth satisfied anastasia will say Thank you, Uncle, and then we'll go straight into the card. Then you arrive uh, uh, to the carriage outside. Your bags are packed. You get in the carriage. Um, you don't really get to see the driver because he's already sitting up there, big coat wrapped around, big tricorn hat. You know, he's ready for a bit of a journey. You can see uh, it probably sticks out of out, out of place. You know, being in the city, being in you know, Hampshire here, but you can see he's kind of dressed for a bit of a rural carriage ride and. The carriage, 
begins. As soon as you're all sat down, you're all crammed in. It's not too terribly uncomfortable. It is a larger, more leisurely carriage, but it is built for cross-country. Uh, so it's not the most comfortable, but there is enough room for the five of you, because obviously Mr. Burrows is accompanying you. And you set off, but it's not long before a few awkward conversations about the weather, about Kingscombe, about possibly just trying to avoid the name Adam Prido as much as possible in the presence of Mr. Burroughs, I'm not sure. But you arrive at your first stop. You hear the squeak of the wheels, you hear the, the, the cobbled streets outside, and the driver mumbles in a, in a voice, you can't quite tell much about the detail of the voice, but says, Records. Thomas springs up in his seat, stretches his legs, opens the carriage and jumps out into the street. Outside the record office, I believe. Town hall, likely. Yes, sir. Well, very well, then. Anyone care to join me for a jaunt into looking at some records? Charlotte, I might suggest that with your interest in folklore and tales and history, that this is something that actually piques your fancy. Um, okay. Unless you see otherwise. No, absolutely. I think at this point, anyway, Charlotte would probably want to get up and stretch her legs a little bit anyway. But yeah, I think certainly the records office, she would accompany you. Okay. Um, so uh, you make your way into the records office. As they uh, step down from the carriage, Reverend Purdue will turn to the Master Apprentice and say, So, young gentleman, are, are, you, are you single? And watch the other two walk off into the records office. <laughs> <laughs> I believe some matchmaking. Oh, is, is matchmaking a Regency skill? I think it should be. It, it should absolutely be. should be. Um, Never would house eat your heart out? <laughs> so, question Thomas, is: does, does does the apprentice like the pretty young miss or the glamorous widow? We'll get him to roll fast talk in a minute. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and Thomas and Charlotte, you make your way out of the carriage. The, the records office is there. Uh, finely uh, decorated building, well used. There's people in there. There's people out on the street. You're able to walk in. You find that there is a rather invested individual sitting on a desk actually going through a, a small wooden box that has a series of cards in it and they seem to be tracing their fingers almost running their fingers along if they're as if they're looking for a specific uh, item um, but they seem to be mumbling to themselves thomas walks up i see thomas having a, a fine cane if he's traveling he of course as a gentleman would be and he'll take the cane and he'll just uh, tap on the table next to the the chap with the index cards Excuse me, stout yeoman. Can you uh, assist us? Very slowly, you see these eyes kind of look up to you, and then the head follows as it kind of, yeah, as he looks through the brow and looks up to you. And uh, this is an elder gentleman. Yes. Oh, my good man. I was hoping you might be able to clear up a little difficulty we have in our uh, family records. You see, I think we've made a clerical error. I was just wondering whether you could check a couple of dates of births and deaths for us. Uh, yes. Name? Name's Prido. Looking for, well, practically the whole bally lot of us. Uh, starting at Lord Matthew Prido. Oh, and dear. One moment. This would be several generations back. Several generations, you say? Anything notable about the family, or is this just uh, for vanity? Notable about the family? I mean, sir, this is the Prideaux family. 
Shepley yes. Manor, just down the road. Can't yes. help but the, spot it. The Prido family. The Prido family. Very good. Very, very slowly does this individual shuffle off to a series of uh, shelves and records at the f- uh, they're kind of halfway down this large uh, chamber, this large hall. But there is uh, a moment where you're waiting, tick tock, tick tock, kind of you know, having an ring. Uh, you see the individual over there. And eventually they shuffle back. And when they shuffle back, they're holding, uh, holding a rather uh, a large tome, which they slam down on the table. A swipe of dust off said book. You can see that this book has not been touched for years. They turn it round. They unclasp the metal clasp that holds the book shut. And as you look at the book, they say, um... Hands. Thomas May removes his fine kid riding hands. gloves. Does a quick flip-flop. Puts the gloves back on. Ms. Excuse me, sir. Your hands? Is this really necessary, sir? If you like to touch the records, you need to have clean hands. Very well. And she will put her hands out. Very well. And he slides the large tome over to you and takes a couple of steps back to give you privacy. Not to the point where you can do what you want with it. He is there. He is observing. But he's giving you a respectable amount of distance so that he won't be reading the material that you are reading. So, Matthew Prido, the letter said it was a great, great, great grandfather. Seems highly improbable he's still alive. What? See what we've got here. Can you both give me a library use roll, please? Go okay. on. Uh, that is a 42 over 20. Ah, uh, just missed it. 61 versus 60. So I think I'm going to spend the one point of luck for that. Excellent. You. you know you're not going to need that later on, so that's perfect. Um, okay, well, uh, Thomas is kind of flipping through pages, you know, two or three at a time, and it's clearly, Charlotte, not a way for you to look through a book and actually find records. He's almost frantically looking through the book, aware that you have a journey ahead of you. You are on your way to Kingscombe, and eventually you stop him and you turn the pages one at a time until you recognize a pattern in the book and a, a you know, a lineage passing through, and then you find the appropriate page. Ah, here, this is the one. You find in the official record, Lord Matthew Prido. He was a second lieutenant in the Navy. You can see here that the... No, 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 this can't be right, Charlotte. This can't be right. The Prido line ended on the 21st of the 10th, 1707, when Lord Matthew Prido was lost at sea at the Battle of the Lizard, when the Royal Fleet was escorting a ship and they were attacked. The ship, or the last known location of Lord Matthew Prido before his death at sea, the ship was known as the Devonshire. This isn't possible. It must be the wrong person. Um, perhaps a middle name? Surely. Thomas, this, this has to be the wrong person. It, it can't be Lord Matthew Prido. It must be... Lord something Matthew Prido, and they, they must have mixed it up. It's not possible. The dates seem to... The date of birth seems to match. Um, if we had a copy of De Brett's, we might be able to do a, a cross-reference. Uh, do you think uh, that chap might have one? Well, it, it, I don't know. We can only ask. Uh, you, sir, do you have a copy of De Brett's 
peerage. I'm wondering whether you might have more than one Lord Trito in there. Uh, one moment, sir. And the individual scuttles off. There's a few moments. And they pass back. With this, again, similar-looking tome, they are these brown-leathered books with this gold uh, uh, filigree writing, noting to you, know, British aristocracy. You see the one that has a title of Peerage and Baronetage. Using the same library rolls, Thomas, you are fluffing your way through the book, but it isn't long before Charlotte kind of taps your hand quite uh, respectfully, but clearly away. Charlotte, you find Lord Matthew Prido. Born 1652, member of the Royal Navy, a second lieutenant in the Royal Navy, lost at sea in 1707 on the 21st of October, much as you found in the other records. You can clearly see here that the title of Lord in Kingscombe wasn't passed on for a while as a sign of respect because of the brave actions and the unfortunate reality there was no apparent family at the time to take on the title a confusing enigma of a conundrum some might say i think charlotte is going to ask for a pen and paper and she's going to copy down all this information and note it note the dates note the names and everything else that we've just found out Thomas is a little taken aback by all of this, but the fact this is corroborated detail in, in two independent publications, this is, this is odd to say the least. Thomas turns to Charlotte and says, you know what? I think, uh, I think after all of this, I might need a drink back in the carriage. I think I left my hip flask in my coat. I completely understand if you care to join me. Hearing you talk about alcohol, Charlotte kind of nods, but she's so busy writing down the actual details of the events that you've uh, seemed to have recorded in the, the nature of the history of your family lineage that she kind of ignores you talking about alcohol. But as you make your way back to the carriage, your uncle, your sister, the rather intriguing... Mr. Burroughs, sit there as you attempt to make your second stop, 13 Luscombe Street, at the bookshop, where hopefully you might find Chambers. Reverend, I believe this is the stop you asked to arrive at. Indeed, indeed. Uh, thank you very much, driver. I, I shan't be two minutes, uh, if, if you wouldn't mind waiting. And he'll step down from the carriage and walk into the shop and he'll be surprised to see Chambers not there but uh, he did well, have other errands for Chambers to do. Firstly does anybody go with the Reverend? I will. So Anastasia's pushing, was that Anastasia sorry pushing yourself to kind of accompany the Reverend no longer wanting to have secrets held back is that correct? Yeah. Okay. Thomas you're staying in the carriage? I will stay in the carriage. You've got a hip flask haven't you? Absolutely. <laughs> Charlotte can see. Charlotte can see. Um, Charlotte may very well be proffered a, a, a hit from the hip flask as well. Mr. Burroughs is just being an incredible gentleman <laughs> and actively not seeing is the problem. Um, so, <laughs> Reverend and Anastasia, you step down from the carriage. The Reverend announces to the driver, be only a moment. You step up to the bookshop. Reverend, 
Anastasia, it doesn't look like a very well-maintained building. Even the bookshop uh, uh, lettering on the wooden sign outside is worn and scarred. Even difficult to even read that it's a bookshop. The door sits slightly open. The Reverend is going to have a look around to see who's noticing us. He doesn't need uh, any more reputation loss anytime soon. Now have a spot hidden, please. Okay. I'll roll that too. I'll also add that with your spot hidden, regardless of your success, there are no uh, large windows. This is not like a contemporary bookshop displaying things. It is just a a building with uh, some lower brick foundations, wooden uh, panels up the side where you might suppose windows would be, uh, a wooden door. There is some green and gold uh, garnished paint outlining where some of the lovely uh, features of the building would be, but they are worn and some of them are cracked, some of them are broken. And uh, Reverend, can I ask you what your spot hidden was? My spot hidden was a failure. 53 versus 29. No one is looking at you. Jolly, Anastasia, jolly good. Can I ask you what your spot hidden was? I also rolled a 53 over 45. The same no one is looking at you. Great. The door is slightly ajar. May I ask what you'd like to do? The Reverend will notice uh, Anastasia uh, bustling along behind and uh, pause for a moment and then uh, open the door for the lady. <laughs> I will enter this dodgy building first then, Uncle. Thanks. <laughs> so gentlemanly. <laughs> Is this for, to, to fall into any traps <laughs> first? And then smartly follow in uh, carrying his cane. It's a dark room. It's 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 a large room. You can see that there are some bookshelves. Uh, God, they look rotted, broken. One is, is is fallen and leaning into another, which has fallen and leaning into another. That one's standing up by the grace of, well, the Reverend believes God. But it is a sight to behold, this rundown and arguably abandoned bookshop. But... You can see at the far end of this rather large room that there is a flicker of a candle. Goodness me. The Reverend will take a step forward and kind of usher Anastasia behind him as he approaches this flicker of a candle, expecting there to be some kind of shopkeeper and say, Ah, uh, good morning, good shopkeep. Uh, my name is uh, Reverend Trudeau, I believe. Uh, uh, our man Chambers has paid you a visit and he said... Uh, you actually have a book for us. Is, is this correct? There's no reply. But as you move closer, you can see not just the candle flickering, you can now see that there's a silhouette of someone. You think standing in the far, far corner of this larger room with these shelves. It's difficult because, you know, there are a few things distorting your view, but you can see the, the, the silhouette of someone standing there, almost standing... Do you think the candle is perhaps on the floor and, and the silhouette is presented then up against the wall? Okay. He, he will approach whomever he can see. Anastasia, I imagine you're following? Very cautiously. She's a bit uh, concerned. You both move around the final bookcase cautiously, looking to see who is there, looking for a bookshop owner or a customer or someone that might be able to anyone. present themselves. Anyone. And you find someone. Hmm. You find chambers. <sighs> but... You find Chambers hanging, his right foot in the air from the ceiling, his left tucked into the back of his knee, his head reaching down to the floor where the candle slowly, 
underneath his head is burning his hair and his flesh. But unfortunately for Chambers, he has a note for you. But that note is pinned to his face with a six-inch nail driven through his eye and into his skull. The note has a symbol upon it, a symbol that none of you have seen before. Can I ask for the good reverend and Anastasia to give us a sanity roll, please? I was already reaching for the button. There we go. And may I ask what your rolls are? The reverend has a 0-1 versus 60. That is a critical success. Wow. I'm tempted to say he's seen this sort of thing before. I will reward you for your critical success. Mm. Anastasia, your roll? I rolled a 24 over 65, which is a hard success. Could you explain to me how you react to seeing Chambers, the footman of your house, your father's right-hand man? I think it is quite dark, so she doesn't let herself take in too many details um, of the kind of grotesque element. She will turn and look away as fast as she can and protect herself from that horrifying sight. There is an absolute shudder. Yeah. I hate to say it, Anastasia, but you will be losing one sanity. Yeah. Just with the witness of such a horrific scene. The Reverend, I would love to remove one sanity, but with a zero one, I fear you are able to contain yourself. But your reward, Reverend, is as Anastasia turns away and hides her face from this disgusting act that has happened to someone who was so close to the family, you can't help but look at it. The symbol, the circle that it is with the waves at the bottom, the branching uh, mast into an umbrella with other circles and then a final circle above that. You feel like you've seen it before, but you blink, you shake your head and you look at Chambers once more and you realize that Chambers is the hanging man. Thank you for joining us for Act 4 of Cult and Culpability. Remember to visit us at www.miskatonicplayhouse.com. You can also visit the main stage at the Miskatonic Playhouse for other scenarios from the Miskatonic Repository, with links in the show notes below. Please like, subscribe and leave a review where possible. It really helps other listeners find us and enjoy the fun. Until next time, when the curtain rises again.